Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast, and another episode of Letterboxd Recap, where we go over the movies that we've been watching lately, as well as rating five top four letterbox of five fans and i just want to say that i have changed my top four oh. on my homepage. so i used to have like the matrix as well as godfather part two alien and gladiator gladiator yeah. those are, that was my original four favorites but I, I decided to mix it up that's what i've been make, i do it every two weeks i change it out just because i want people to discover other movies exactly. that i love I didn't even say oh that I love yet, but I changed up my color scheme as well because I, I like how people do that now. So you're just doing, doing what I'm doing. No, a little different. <laughs> you're acting like the first person to change their color I scheme. I invented letterbox. You invented <laughs> <laughs> So I changed my top four, in case you're curious, to Goodfellas, Kill Bill, Pan's Labyrinth, and Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets. Now Goodfellas that did that awesome red poster, the red graphic of where they're digging up the grave. The Looks second great. time with the brake lights. Oh, you got a limb. Yeah, you want a leg? <laughs> hey, Henry. What do you want? The leg? The, the leg? The wing? The, the wing or the leg? <laughs> Henry. We're going to get it out of there. It's bad That's news. A great, that looks great. It's I love awesome that poster. awesome poster. Yeah. Just so much red just from the brake lights of the car. Then I have Kill Bill. It's a great poster of Beatrix versus Oranishi E in the back in that amazing set that's, behind that's the dojo, fantastic the, poster. the building. I love it. With the snow, and it's awesome. It's so cool. With a red, the sky is red with the snow falling around everywhere, and Kill Bill text is covered in blood. Yeah, it's like a red dawn. And uh, Oranishi E's sword is in the foreground. It's incredible. Then Pan's Labyrinth, I went for a Spanish poster, El Labyrinto del Fauno, and it's a beautiful shot where Ophelia is in the center of obviously the entrance of the maze and the tree and she's holding the dagger with blood and is red behind her and then around the entire rest of her image is the found and the green so uh red and green around her. it's almost like christmas colors and then and harry the, potter the pixies are there too yeah harry yeah. potter and the chamber of secrets it's just a sick minimalist green poster of the shot of the the pathway down the chamber of secrets you see I'm assuming it's Tom Riddle in the distance under in front of the giant statue of Salazar Slytherin, but it could be Harry. There's I just bet a it's fig- Harry. It's probably Harry. Yeah. It's just a, a figure in the distance, but then on the either side of the path are those giant stake, snake statues. It's a really I cool like poster. It. It's good. They didn't have a ton of great options. I also updated my top four. Oh, let's hear it. And I went green with my aesthetic. So if you look at my profile, it's all green posters. So first I put Happy Together which is uh, my second favorite Wong Kar Wai film. It's a really fantastic relationship drama about two men in like the crazy ups and downs they go through over a period of years. Adding, adding to my watch list it's immediately. It's so good. And then Rosemary's Baby. I love this which poster. Which is one of my favorite b- movies. And it's a beautiful green poster. And then Green Room, the, uh, the horror film with Anton Yelchin and Patrick Stewart. I love that movie. It's just one of my, it's, I think it's one of the most underrated horror movies of the last uh, 20 years. It's so phenomenal. And then I have Andre Tarkovsky's Stalker, also with this green poster. Um, I love that movie. It's incredible. And I just like, I had black, red, and white for my previous poster tones, and now I got this beautiful green. It looks cool. It's funny that we both picked green. I did half green, basically. Yeah. Man, I love all those posters. The green green room, I think, didn't we put in our top 10 A24 movies, and we We, mentioned in our favorite modern horror movies as well. Yeah, both those episodes, modern horror and A24, we did it. It's such a terrific movie, man. That movie's 
freaking awesome. Stalker's excellent, but Rosemary's Baby, that's one of my all-time favorite posters. It's brilliant. Now, it's time to rate the top four of some fans. Let's do it. So, like every week, we do five fans uh, who have sent me their letterbox, top fours. Now, first up, we have Young Sam. Young Sam has La La Land, Ratatouille. I love Ratatouille. This is my favorite Pixar movie. (laughs) Perfect Blue. And then Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Love it. Nice blend of animation. Yeah, right? I Ratatouille's like seeing, great. Yeah, and I like seeing Perfect Blue in there. Yeah. it's In La La Land, is, I think it's becoming the most common top four pick we've seen. It's so loved. It's up there, man. Yeah. It's, it's it's pretty common. I would say it's between that. And Glorious Bastards is really common as yeah. well. Back to the Future is very common, Back too. To I future. think those are the top three so far that we've seen. Probably. Back to the Future, I think, is number one most common so far. Yeah, and I feel Dark like Knight's common too. Dark Knight, yeah, the yeah. Nolan movie. For and sure. then uh, Young Sam's been watching some great movies: The Sandlot, Hot Fuzz, Fast and Furious, the original, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nothing but bangers, yeah. Sam. Nothing yeah. but bangers. Hell yeah! <laughs> I love the original Fast movie. That movie it's slaps, good. dude. It's good. I love it. It's good. All right, it actually is realistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have Samir, and. Top four for Samir is Interstellar. Oh, yeah. I just got a new Interstellar poster, so next time we film... Oh, yeah, it looks great. In a couple weeks, you'll see the new It's set. actually the same poster Samir picked. It's my favorite one. Then we have Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is a phenomenal movie. Excellent pick. I have not seen that on a top four yet. Amazing French film. And then Celine Sciamma made that. And then Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> he still does it. I can't. Midsummer. 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 <laughs> Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you threw, it. you threw me off, man. I can't do it. I threw you off because I told you how to correctly I know, say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's just throwing me off. It's mer- it's my brain panics. <laughs> my brain gets confused and it's just, it's done. It's, it's always going to be like that. Midsummer. <laughs> and then Brick. Brick? Ryan Johnson's That's film. an awesome pick. Excellent. With JGL, right? JGL. An excellent detective mystery. Even though he's not a detective, he's just like on the case on his own. But it's an excellent debut from Ryan Johnson. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he had left Hollywood for a few years, and then he, he signed on to do Brick because he loved the script, and they've all also worked together many times now. But it's an excellent mystery film. If anyone's interested in seeing an early Ryan Johnson movie, that's the one I recommend. Vocab word of the day, sleuth. Sleuth, sleuth. He's a sleuth. is basically yeah. like uh, you're, you, ter- you make yourself into a private investigator, yeah. basically. You're, you're not, not officially, officially one, but uh, like you're investigating something. Thank Just, you for that. Yeah, as like a civilian. And then sleuth, S-L-E-U-T-H. Use it today, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Samira's been watching Shazam. Fear of the Gods, one and a half star. <laughs> not surprised. I'm not even going to watch it. <laughs> I, mean, I love how Zachary Levi's been complaining for like the last it's two like, months. like, dude, make a better movie. It's just, even if it's, okay, even if it's a good movie, I don't think anyone cares. Like, it's, it's Shazam too. Like, I'm sure some people really liked it. I have really no interest in seeing I it personally. I have no interest in it. And I, I probably won't ever see What's it. What's up with these actors lately if they get bad reviews like, oh, I guess no one liked it. It's like, yeah, no one liked it. Get over it. And I mean, I guess... <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of on that edge of will I be part of the DCU? No maybe way. because nope. of the failure of it. Who knows if he'll be in it? Not happening. So maybe he's disappointed by that. Yeah, him and The Rock are gone. And then uh, Across the Spider Verse, Guardians 3, and then The Founder with um, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. That's a good I was movie. Like, what the fuck's his name? It's a good movie. Yeah, it's an awesome movie. It could have. It could have been amazing. It was almost there. You're yeah, right. it was just. It just didn't hit that level. But it was. It's a. Uh, it's well done. But I, when I watched that movie, I was like, they left a lot on the table. Yeah, there was a I, lot of potential. The directing's solid, and obviously he's a great, great actor. But there's something about it that just 
didn't exceed it my didn't expectations. Have the bite. You know? Like the fucking climactic scene between him and well, let's not spoil it. Sorry, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. But it's just like it was so it was just underwhelming. It could have had more bite. Yeah, could have had, had more bite, like Social Network kind of thing. All right, next up we have Josh. <laughs> Josh's profile photo is Kendall Roy with headphones <laughs> on the yacht. <laughs> so Josh has Django, Pulp Fiction, Inception. And Whiplash, my guy, my guy, Josh. We would be friends if we were hung, hanging out in person, watching movies. I'm gonna. I think I might watch Inception soon. I've been in the mood to watch Inception. I haven't seen it in a few years, and this is uh, inspiring me to watch it because I love it. Like I say all the time, that movie lived rent free in my head for four years when it came out. Yeah. It was. I was obsessed with that movie. I know it front to back, man. I know every line. I know everything about it. Like, I was so into Inception. Still am. Yeah. yeah. Also, Josh has a great bio. Remember, kids, film is subjective, but I'll still judge you on your taste in movies. <laughs> and I will, been, too. <laughs> been watching really good movies lately, Josh, except for, I mean, Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. Rise. But then Interstellar, Top Gun Maverick, and There Will Be Blood. Five-star rating. I love it, Josh. <laughs> nice job. All right, next up, we have AJ Denenboom. So, oh, this is a good list. Very different. So, AJ has The Perks of Being a Wallflower. We accept the love we think we deserve. Shut up. <laughs> it's a great line. Don't tell me shut up. <laughs> okay, you can say Asshole. it. Asshole. It's a beautiful line said by Paul Rudd in that film. That's true, yeah. Like you even care about that movie. It's okay. It's good. <laughs> it's I, not, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. I think it's a great coming of age film. Excellent a, pick. a lot of people love it. I, I can see why people love it. But I liked it. I thought it was nice. I thought it was good. I cried. <laughs> I cried when I saw it. <laughs> Logan Lerman's great in that movie. He, like, cries a ton in that movie. That's hard to do. He's a great actor. He's, he's a great, I mean, kind of a prodigy at that age. He's in a bunch of movies. He had a, yeah, I mean, 310 Yuma was, he was yeah. awesome in it. Pa. 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 <laughs> Next up, we have After Sun. Excellent choice. Get Out. I'd like to see Get Out on oh, there. Oh, yeah. Jordan Peele's the man. You know, I would have voted for Obama a third term if I could have. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie, man. T.S. Motherfucking A! We handle we shit. Handle shit. <laughs> Sex slaves. Sex slaves. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, across the Spider Verse, excellent top four. I love it. Back to back Spider Verse, or was, that was two ago. Um, two. It was. Oh, someone watched them. Where they watched it. Yeah. Are you even listening to I'm me when I talk? To, but you're saying a lot of movies. Jeez, Louise, man. Next up, we have. Oh, sorry. That's actually just a random screenshot. <laughs> Next up, we have. Rhino, Reno Van Eckhoud. I hope I said that correctly. It's either Reno or Rhino. Way to go, Anthony. Well, I've never <laughs> seen this as a name before, so get off my back. <laughs> but their letterbox is Reno. So, I love the top. I love this top four. We got Interstellar. A lot this in this one. A lot of Interstellar. Two. Dazed and Confused. Oh, yeah. Fucking great pick. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, my God, yeah. And then To Catch a Thief, the Hitchcock film. What a list. I love it. I what love a it. list. I, I like that list. Oh, my goodness. It's all over the place. It's, it's in a good way. Man. Love to see it. And then Reno just watched Guardians 3, Air, The Swimming Pool, and then Alita Battle Angel. Sorry, some of these are hard to read because it's so small font. All four stars. Great ratings. Love great it. movies. Love it. Great list. So that's our that's our five for today. Thanks for sending those in, everybody. Yeah, thanks everyone. I hope I hope I got I hope I got Reno's name right. I hope it's. And if you haven't sent them in yet, if you want to, just send us a screenshot of your four favorites. Send us an Instagram direct message 
or uh, DM as they call it on the streets these days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll add it to the list because it's so fun to do. Sounds good. How about we get to our recent watches now? So how many movies did you watch? I have five. That's cute. Shut up, man. I have ten. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're, you watch eight movies a day. You have ten yesterday. It's ten in a week. I don't know, where you're, getting, I don't know where you're getting these numbers Anthony's from. Anthony's Goku, Goku and Gohan in the hyperbolic time chamber watching movies all the time. Like uh, He'll come out of his room and like eight movies were watched. And it's still <laughs> lunch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's how... You know, it's my thing. I'm not sure if you know this, but so you might as well go first since you have more than me. I could do two and one, two and one, maybe. Yeah, and I believe we ended last episode with Barbie was the last thing we watched. For yes, last week. And for me, the last thing I did was Ryan's daughter. So first up, I watched Funny Games from Michael Haneke. Which version? The original. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies. It's so messed up. So I wrote, Haneke's brutal deconstruction of our strange attraction to violence and its use as entertainment for the masses. A striking social commentary hidden behind the surface of a home invasion film. This story gets under your skin like few others can. This also features the rare example of magic realism in its work as well as brilliant fourth wall breaking. I love this movie. It was um, the first Haneke movie I saw. It was actually the American version of this. Um, so that was my first exposure to him. And then I got into him, and this is the next thing I watched. And it's just, it's an insane movie. It's brilliant. It's genius. It's very disturbing. Uh, it's very raw, but it's, it's so well done and well acted and well directed. It's an incredible movie. And so divisive. Very divisive. That's why I love it. Yeah, I mean, its letterbox rating is a four. So actually, people love it. That's pretty high. Yeah, that's high. That's great. Because I see so many people, I've seen people say it's the worst movie of all time on the internet. Yeah, it's, it is polarizing. People either love it or I think they, they hate it. So I think sense. it's absolutely brilliant, honestly. Yeah. I, I really do. My... Well, I'm going to go again. Okay, yeah, go again, back to back. Well, you do two, I'll do one, two, one, two, one. Exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, I watched... I wanted a lighter movie and something more playful, so I watched Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, Nymphomaniac or something <laughs> Lars von Trier did. I've seen it a bunch of times, but I haven't seen it in a very long time. Um, and I was just very impressed with it. Uh, so I wrote, holy fuck, <laughs> this is one of the best directed films of the last 50 years. Because it really is what Darren Aronofsky did in terms of actually directing and the filmmaking of it. It's exceptional. Uh, the cinematography, the editing, the music, the real, the magic realism, the surrealism. Like as a director, he like he threw everything that you can at as a director and, and a filmmaker. And it works. There's so many visual styles in it. Um, you can tell that he was just he put his entire heart and soul as an artist into this movie and just the craftsmanship of it is just unbelievable it's so creative and it's but i was curious because um I, I i remember that it had great split screen use and i'm that's something i was it's kind of like a research thing i watched this movie for for that reason because of the split screens and um yeah I, I remember correctly the split screens in this movie are really incredible and well done and just so fucking awesome. So that's why I watched it. This is one of the best second films from a director of all time. He This is his second movie. Yeah. I mean, obviously Tarantino, he, he's up there obviously with uh, Reservoir Dogs, then Pulp. But, I mean, what this guy did with his second movie, coming off of Pi in 1998? Something like that, yeah. And then the Requiem for a Dream in 2000? Holy crap, what a film. I think it still might be his best movie. Black Swan's his best movie. Okay, okay, yeah. Black Swan is his best movie, but 
This is up there for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I gave it five stars. It's absolutely sensational. I hadn't seen it in like maybe like six years or so, and I was just like blown away by it. Like what a second feature, man. What, yeah. what a second movie. Because I, I remembered everything about it, except I, for, I, I just forgot about the filmmaking. Yeah. That aspect of it. The music is phenomenal as well. Yeah, Clint Mansell. He's the man. Cell. And then, <laughs> don't they use that song? What's the, th- what's the famous um, classical song they use in that? I believe Mansell wrote that. Oh, did I he? Think that's his, I think that's his song. I haven't seen it in so long. I guess, I guess it's so beautiful that I, I think, sometimes I forget. Well, it's an old movie. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how good that's, the music yeah. is in that I movie. I believe it's his, it's his score. I might be wrong, but I believe Mansell wrote that piece. I went and saw Pi IMAX re-release that A24 that they distributed early this year. And so I got to see a Q&A with Aronofsky, Clint Menzel, as well as the producers, writers of, of Pi. Wasn't was the really DP cool. there too? Yeah, so of Pi. Yeah, his, uh, what's his name? Um, he did uh, Olivia Wilde's movie. He's amazing. Don't worry, movie. darling. He's an incredible oh, cinematographer, yeah. and so it was cool to get to see a Q and A with Aronofsky, Clint Menzel, and what's his Matthew Libatique. Matthew Libatique, the three Great of them. Great DP. It was awesome to hear them talk about Pi, obviously, but he's actually he's a DP that doesn't ever get put on lists. He never but does. He's, he, but he's really brilliant. The guy's filmography is fucking insane. It's absurd. Because like obviously Requiem and Black Swan, um, A Star Is Born, he did Inside Man. I mean. Phone Booth, Gothica, even though not the best movies, they are beautiful movies. He's just he's always been such a talented DP. He did uh, Birds of Prey, which looks great. Yeah. The Fountain. He did the first Iron Man, so he he basically he booted up the MCU. MCU yeah, basically. basically. Yeah. Oh, he did the first Venom too. Damn. Venom. 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 Big hit with the. <laughs> oh, Favreau's used him a bunch. Favreau used him for um, Cowboys and Aliens too. Mm. Cowboys and Aliens is a mid movie, but it looks great. Man, I ne- I didn't finish that movie. I wanted <laughs> you to finish. L- it. I didn't finish. It. I wanted to love it so it, it, bad. It ends exactly how you think it will. Goodness, <laughs> that's the problem with it. It's so boring and slow, and I was shocked. And I love Favreau. I love Daniel Craig, Olivia Wilde. It's Craig, Craig. but Craig. Man, it's slow. And man, what not- about Harrison Ford? No Harrison Ford name drop. Harrison, yeah, Jeez, sure. Louise, man, it's just so cliche ridden with like typical. I don't know. I just didn't like it. It ends exactly how you would think it would end. Yeah. It, so you how do you to- mess that up? Well, I mean, it's a weird movie. Cowboys and Aliens. It's weird. I, feel like it, I think it's it. easy to mess up. It sells itself. Anyways, is it my turn? It's your turn. All right, so go, go get him, Tiger. I watched a pretty. <laughs> 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 Uh, that's the siren. <laughs> Didn't sound like it at all. <laughs> I'll put on a wedding dress. Skip, skip. All right. I watched a weird-ass movie for my first watch of the week. It was a Swedish film called Border. Gave it three and a half stars. And this is my review. One of the strangest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. I enjoyed it, but I also kind of want to puke. Now, the best way to set this up without spoiling anything. Oh, this one. I don't know if you've seen it. I, I haven't seen it, but I know I've seen the trailer. I recommend checking it out. It's I only gave it three and a half stars, which is still a good rating. That's seven out of ten, you know, because of how weird and disturbing it gets. But if you like stuff like that, I I recommend checking it out. It it's similar in tone to Lamb, the A twenty four film starring Numi Rapace that came out a few years ago. Very similar in tone and kind of in the aesthetic. It's really well made, really well written, well acted as well. And it's about this woman who has this incredible kind of inhuman ability to be able to smell and sense fear 
and sense shame and, and smell and sense guilt of other people. So she works like unbreakable. Kind of, yeah. Except, except she smells, smells it, it versus yeah. sensing it. But he sensing, yeah, yeah. So yeah. she smells fear, smells shame, smells guilt, and she uses the skills to work. And she works at a a border facility, or I believe it's it's a customs at an airport, or it could be at a I believe it's a port, like a like a boat port. And they never. She's a crossing guard, basically <laughs> for, for school. But she's a a border a border patrol person in terms of like when you're going through security. They have her in the front of the line, and she smells everybody that walks by, and she can tell exactly what's inside your bag if you're guilty of something, if you you have shame about something. It's really interesting. That's just the beginning, and, ha- and that's no way spoiling the movie because you could never predict where this movie is going to go in the direction it ends up taking. And it was really interesting, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Again, it, I found it very disturbing, though, which is why I gave it three and a half stars. I almost gave it four. And I like weird stuff. But they went too far? It it has maybe the weirdest scene I've ever seen in my entire life. It might it might have the weirdest scene I've ever seen. And I'm I don't even like to think about it. It's almost it's like Tusk <laughs> in a lot of ways. Gotcha. Except less um in your face and a little more reserved when it comes to the weird stuff. Yeah, because I remember the trailer and it's like, are they like animal like they've like their part like they like like animal genetics or something so there's there's something off about her and a couple other there's characters. another guy yeah they have very almost like neanderthal uh, yeah looks. they have a yeah. look that's almost like a neanderthal not quite like a deformity in the actress is wearing a ton of prosthetic work it's terrific makeup in in production design as well and i, I don't want to say anything else without spoiling it but she has this incredible ability that other humans don't have and it's an insane story Holy shit. I recommend yeah, I remember, checking it out. I remember if you seeing like the trailer. Stuff, if you like weird stuff yeah. and you like getting freaked out, watch it. Border, Border. the Swedish film. All right. Well, you, you're on, right on the money because it has a 3.6 on Letterboxd and a 7 on IMDb, so your rating is right in line with that. And again, 3.5 is a good, a good rating for me, by the way. All right, next up. It's a good movie. Next up, I watched one of my all-time favorites um, because what got me in the mood to watch this? Oh, Oppenheimer. And I was like, I want to watch this, so I put on the Tree of Life. Five stars. I've seen it a bunch of times, but I haven't seen it for a few years. And I wrote, one of the most stunning accomplishments of filmmaking in cinema history and a personal favorite of mine. There is nothing like Moloch's remarkable exploration of life in all its forms, and no film has ever captured the human experience so honestly. Emmanuel Lobeski crafted the most visually inspiring film I still have ever seen to this day. This film is not for the casual movie watcher and warrants multiple viewings, but once you see the magnitude of the storytelling and emotional resonance, the tree of life will become a rewarding experience. And that is exactly what it is, an experience. It's still, um, every time I watch it, I'm just, I, it's, it's the most awe-inspiring movie ever made. Like, I just get, like, overwhelmed um, with the breadth of it, the beauty of it. I, I still, like, I cry during sequences just because of the visuals and the music that Malik paired. It's, it's just still to this day some of the most incredible moments of film I've ever seen. And I, after seeing it again, because um, I hadn't seen it for a few years, I really do believe it's the most visually stunning film ever made. I think it's the greatest shot film by a cinematographer. Um, and it's just it's insane because the budget was like $14 million. I, When you watch this movie, you're like, how is this movie made for $14 million? Um, but I watched it. Oppenheimer reminded me of it um, because... Malik 
portrays life when it's from its beginnings, from the Big Bang to cellular growth on Earth to the first creatures to human beings, and it's a staggering like film, and it's just so big and so beautiful, and tackles. <laughs> it tackles really incredible themes about life and existence and religion versus spirituality nature versus grace um so many crazy themes that few films will touch and if they do they'll just go after one theme but like mal it's malik's uh, magnum opus it's his greatest achievement as a director and it's i do think it's one of the greatest films ever made yeah, I think it's one of the most inspiring films I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm so glad we saw it in theaters when it came out back mm. in, what was it, 2011? Yep. 2011. We saw it in Newton, right? Newton Theater. Newton Theater. Yeah. Um, what's, what street is that? Washington. Washington Street, man. Oh, man, we used to go there all the time. And the Belmont Theater was near there, too, that we liked. But, um, yeah, that was an incredible experience, and I still remember vividly seeing it in theaters. I remember walkouts, too. I remember people halfway <laughs> through like, what is this movie? What is going on? Dinosaurs? You could tell by their body language. Like, what are we doing here, honey? Let's get out of here. Yeah. I thought Brad Pitt was going to be in a new cool movie, and this, I think, is also one of the greatest films ever made. I, I, I believe in my top 100 list of greatest movies of all time, I put it in my top five. It's that special, and like you said, it's not for everybody, and it requires multiple watches as many great pieces of art require multiple experiences with yeah. whether it's a book a song or, or whatever because a lot of people they might say why do i have to watch a movie twice to get it that means it's not a good movie i should get it the first time it's art and you see things differently every time and the more you expose yourself to something like tree of life the more you appreciate it and understand it as well as appreciate it and understand other films that are similar yeah but it is a polarizing film it has a 3.9 on letterboxd <clears throat> next up i watched Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Barcelona. Oh, nice. Barcelona. 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 Yeah. I'm doing I'm doing the list. Barcelona. No, but the yeah, you, you, yeah. You're you're Bar Barcelona. Barcelona. There you go. I'm basically from Spain. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to watch like a, a sexy movie. <laughs> it's a good it's a sexy it's watch. Sexy as hell movie. I'm so jealous of Javier Bardem. In Javier this movie. Bardem, uh Scarjo, Penelope Cruz and Rebecca Hall. Woo! Like the hottest fuck cast. And um, I just I wanted I was in the mood for something sensual and charming and sexy, and that's exactly what this movie is. And it's it's just you know, you know what you're getting with those kind these kinds of movies, but it's just really well done, well written. It's very funny, um, but it's exactly what I was in the mood for. And I was just like, it's got a great score. I love movies that take place in other countries, um, especially Europe. And it's just I man, it's just a great movie and. It's very hot. It's a hot movie. Steamy. Steamy. It's a great love <laughs> triangle steamy. film. It really is. It's love square. Yeah. more. It's more of a triangle than... More, like, the majority of it's a triangle, I'd say. And then square, for sure. It's, yeah, it's a square. But the three of them, you know... Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we used to paint next to each other. They called me a genius. <laughs> we used to paint side by side, right? <laughs> and she's... Uh, she's. He stole everything from me. <laughs> stole my whole style. <laughs> they called me a genius. Where do you think, you got, where do you, think you got your inspiration? Yeah, she's basically like accusing him. Yeah. Because you painted next to me, you stole my style, basically. Yeah, she, he did say... He, he said he admits to it. <laughs> he didn't mean to. It's like un unconsciously kind of. Sort no, of. No, consciously. Consciously. Yeah. yeah. Man, I haven't seen the movie in a while. You should watch it. It's good. Uh, it's a, yeah, maybe I will soon. Is that two for you? Two. All right, let me get to mine. What do you got? Better be good. My next one 
was actually a, an independent film from the Dominican Republic called Masque al Agua. I know somebody was in this movie, so I wanted to watch it. What's the translation? Uh, more than water, basically, and basically meaning uh, blood's. I mean, blood's thicker than water. That's kind uh-huh. of the theme of of the title. So Masque al Agua, more than the water, more than water, and it's about Masque al Agua. A fa- like this insane family kind of crime drama of uh, love ter- love triangles, love circles, and people getting in these situations out of selfish desires is mixed in with intense crime as well. And I found it to be a solid movie. And from what I understand, what I've been told is the Dominican film scene has been really growing the last 10 to 15 years tremendously. So it was made for a pretty low budget. I believe the equivalent of less than a million dollars in America. I think it was like 40 million pesos in Dominican Republic, which is about, mm-hmm. about like $750,000, something like that. And it's a recent release. Yeah, it came out in 2021 mm-hmm. and it's solid. It's a pretty good watch. And I love watching films from all different kinds of countries as well as I'm happy to watch an independent film that you know didn't get into Cannes or didn't get into the Toronto Independent Film Festival. So I, I like seeing all styles. I respect all independent film, and it was a solid movie. I gave it two and a half stars, but for for what it is, I think they did a really good job for you know with their budget and their style of filmmaking. And you know, the Dominican has had a booming film scene the last several years, and they're beginning to pop. And you know, this is an early independent film for them in the last few years that's just kind of increased their quality so much. It's like a older brother, little brother kind of movie kind of not exactly that's not how i would really describe it no it's a crazy family crime drama got it got it cool interesting lots of infidelity (laughs) (laughs) all right next up uh the criteria the criteria the criterion channel added kudabrick's 50s movies nice he made uh four in the 50s or five in the 50s and so they have four of them and so i watched uh, his second film killer's kiss and I wrote, gave it four stars, an early Kubrick film which he impressively made on a shoestring budget, showcasing early examples of his visual genius. Melodramatic first half of romance and boxing, followed by an outstanding second half and shocking conclusion. The fighting and physical violence is unusually realistic and impactful for the period, proving, Kubrick, proving Kubrick's prowess in his early days. So it's about a like a bum of a boxer who falls in love with a girl, but um, her ex is like this nightclub uh, criminal, nightclub owner criminal who wants to kill them because he's jealous. And it's just, it's a really hard-nosed, romantic, it's old movie, it's, in, it's old, 70 years old, so it's, just, it's a different kind of storytelling back then. But the, the cinematography is, it's crazy. He made it for like no money, um, lots of guerrilla-style filmmaking, just bringing the camera onto the streets of New York City, lots of handheld, um, but the boxing scenes look incredible and the violence is just like, it, the, the violence is great. Like it's some of the best boxing I've ever seen. It looked, it's like very realistic looking in terms of how, how the boxers are moving and fighting and covering up. But then there's just like flourishes of like, I've of like incredible shots that nobody was doing back then. Like he was kind of in a way breaking rules that nobody ever broke. And you can see early examples of that in this movie, the potential that he obviously had. It's really interesting to watch an early movie of his like this early, because he didn't even do Spartacus until like ten years after this. Yeah, was Spartacus sixty two, sixty two or sixty four? I think something like that. 
So this is a long time before. This was in 55. But four stars. I loved it. Next up, I watched another Penelope Cruz movie. It was in a Penelope mood. I have a Penelope once you, film once you on get my a, list. Once you, get, once you see Penelope, you like... You I got get, one too. Well, I'll get to it at the end. Nice. I, wrote, I watched um, Abre Las Ojos, Open Your Eyes. It's a really fucking brilliant film. I gave it four and a half stars. Absolutely brilliant and shocking. A few, mo- a very few movies can keep you as intrigued and surprised as this film. The more the story unfolds, the more captivating it becomes until you have no idea what to expect next. The American remake is a solid adaptation, but the original is so excellent. Highly recommend. Um, the American remake is called Vanilla Sky. Cameron Crowe made it with Tom Cruise. Penelope actually played the same role as well. And then Cameron Diaz plays um, the supporting role. And I, I'm sorry. No, no. I can't recommend watching Penelope Cruz movies or Javier Bardem or any famous Hispanic or Spanish-speaking actor or actress in their movies in their native tongue because, of course, they're great. They're bilingual, and we see them in a lot of Hollywood films. But when you, when you watch someone like Penelope or Javier especially, but Penelope especially when you watch her speaking her native tongue in a Spanish production, her performances are just so much more incredible because she, obviously she's great when she speaks English as well but to see to watch her in Spanish it's a completely different experience because her her talent transcends what you're used to with her Sp- English speaking films and I can't recommend watching famous actors and actresses in movies in their native tongue she I forgot to mention she won the Oscar for Vicky Cristina Barcelona that's for right. supporting actress right yeah she won an Oscar she's so talented man her and Javier won an Oscar back to back years because he won in 07. They're she married too, right? They're married. They have... I don't know who I'm more jealous of. <laughs> <laughs> Javier's a handsome guy. He is a handsome guy. Very handsome guy. Um, but the movie is incredible. It's about this man who um, he has this crazy ex-flame who's stalking him while he's falling in love with the new girl. And the girl, the crazy ex-flame and him get in a car accident and it destroys his face. And so... He survives, but his face is horribly scarred, and he spends his life trying to f- fix it, and it leads him down this fucking rabbit hole of a f- insane story. It's unbelievable. It's so, so, so good. I love it. That's a good remake, honestly. It's the, a good, the, it is good. For, in yeah. terms of remakes, that's pretty solid. That's yeah. up there. It's an underrated Tom Cruise and Cameron Crowe movie, and they, they got some great shots in that movie, like the- uh, Times Square. Manhattan, Times, I mean, Times Square. Yeah. Empty. That's so cool. Yeah, they did this. They do something similar in this film. I don't know the street in Spain that they use, but it's, it's similar opening. But the Times Square was it take place in Madrid or Barcelona? I believe it's Madrid. I believe. Very cool. My turn. Your turn. Next up, I watched Boys in the Hood. Nice. I was in an Ice Cube mood after we had him on the show <laughs> and interviewed him. Uh, a week and a half ago, I was like, I need to watch an ice movie right now. And Boys in the Hood is a classic. I hadn't seen it since I was maybe 14, 15 years old. Forgot how goddamn good this movie is. Four and a half stars from John Singleton's debut. This is my review. Strong fathers in film. Insanely good coming-of-age drama and debut from John Singleton. The cast is absolutely stacked. Lawrence Fishburne, Angela Bassett, Cuba Gooding Jr., Ice Cube, Nia Long, and Regina King packed with countless lines of wisdom contrasted with the endless cycle of violence in South Central LA. Either they don't know you, either they don't know you, I'm sorry, either they don't know, don't show, or don't care about what's going on in the hood. This movie is sensational, so well made. It's a coming of age movie 
with this great cast and Cuba Gooding Jr. plays the main character who the first act of the film, it's his youth. He gets into trouble at school. Then his mother sends him to go live with his father, Lawrence Fishburne, in South Central L.A. And his mother is going to get her master's degree. She's got a lot going on and she ends up becoming a very successful person from her work ethic. But both her, both his parents, both of Trey's parents are highly intelligent, highly capable. And Lawrence Fishburne's character, his father, who play, his name is Furious, he's very much in... His his you know path in life is staying where they're from and trying to improve his community, trying to improve what's been going on and what's happening, and, and make sure that there there's a better future for the people who live there. And the character Trey is basically sent to his father, and his mother basically sends him there because he got into trouble. They lost a deal that they made, and he she needs Trey's father to teach him how to be a man, and. There has been definitely a war on, on fathers in Hollywood, I would say, the last five to six years. We don't see them very often anymore. Of course, there are f- strong fathers in film, but not anywhere like we used to. And I, I feel like cinema needs strong fathers again because when you watch a movie like this, you see the impact that obviously a strong mother as well as a strong father can have on somebody growing up in one of the most hard-to-succeed-in situations imaginable in the United States, being born in this area, as well as... The story of Trey and his best friends. Uh, Ice Cube plays Doughboy and basically trying to survive as well as make it to an extent in South Central LA. And Trey is the one who has the brightest future as well as his friend who is going to be a football player, hopefully at USC. But obviously the massive backdrop of life in South Central LA, the gang violence, the, the poverty and what's happened to these communities by design, by governments, by organizations that have planned these things out, and as well as showing the cycle of violence in the streets of South Central LA or in an area like this, because it's an endless cycle where, you know, they show multiple bouts of gun violence, drive-by shootings, and the cycle of violence that happens where a drive-by shooting occurs. What's going to happen? A revenge is going to get taken out. Another drive-by shooting occurs. What happens then? Revenge. Another drive-by shooting. And more violence. More gun violence. So it's back and forth, back and forth. This never-ending circle of violence and revenge. Violence and revenge. Violence and revenge. That it's almost impossible to escape. And no matter how hard you try, you may never get out. And you may never escape it. But you can do your best to try to live in it and to try to do the right thing. It's very powerful hysterically funny so many great one-liners wildly offensive and i loved it <laughs> that was like a whole podcast <laughs> it's a great movie man <laughs> well, i gotta match you're doing too so i gotta like make my <laughs> mind kind of double i am here <laughs> i exist <laughs> what is your rating of it four and a half nice excellent great pick all right next up i wanted something fun and then um, our friend Marta just watched it, so I was like, I want to watch it. Uh, Police Story, um, one of Jackie Chan's early big hits. I gave it four and a half stars. And I wrote, Jackie Chan is the fucking goat. That is all. <laughs> That's all you have to write. Uh, it's absolutely uh, bonkers. He, just, he, plays a, he plays a cop who's framed for murder, and so he has to clear his name um, against uh, gangsters and corrupt cops. And it is just so sensational. The story is just very basic, but it's obviously the action that sells the movie. And my God, still to—I mean, it holds up still 
and it still looks inc- incredible. It's mind blowing. The, it, there's like they destroy an entire t- like town village on a hillside, and it, they they just fucking drive cars through through homes, and it's unbelievable. And then Jackie is what he's doing in this film is insane. The he's he's so fast. The speed, the ferocity. <laughs> <laughs> I see indoctrination. <laughs> Uh, and the, the martial arts choreography is uh, unbelievable. Um, plus, it's really fucking funny. It's so, so funny. There's, there are two really great comedy bits that really work, and I was just cackling in my room. <laughs> um, but it's it's just an ec- exceptional movie, amazing action, one of the greatest action films ever made. Um, and it ends with the famous mall um, pole jump. That he, oh, my God, that he he's insane. He's a maniac unreal it's great because he screams before he jumps he's like he barks like a dog he's like ah and then he jumps didn't they mess up or like they weren't he wasn't what happened to ju- he wasn't supposed to jump right it was, there's a miscue what happened was there was a miscue they had like a dozen cameras set up and there was supposed to be a signal um jackie was supposed to be like when he's ready he was going to give them a signal to start rolling yeah you might need a couple yeah. minutes to pump yeah. yourself up for that so that was the plan <laughs> that was the plan totally acceptable yeah that was the plan um, and then accidentally they all got the wrong signal from him. So they all turned the cameras on and he was like, fuck, I have to do it now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then he screamed to pump himself up and then he jumped. <laughs> so great. <laughs> because they, he had to do it because there was this film is so expensive and they rolled with 12 different cameras for all the angles. So he's like, we, they were, we're wasting so much. And he just had to do it. Whew, what a legend. Then I watched, we watched talk to me. Nice. Yeah. It's my next one. Talk to me was really good. I gave it. Um, a three and a half star rating, and I wrote, Talk to Me is a solid debut from the directors and features a fantastic horror concept with some excellent shocks. Sophie Wilde carries the movie on her very capable shoulders, and the rest of the cast was also very good. There are some engaging moments of disturbing mayhem, but ultimately the film was held back a bit by its screenplay and slow first half. However, once things got kicking, it was a lot of fun. I gave Talk to Me four stars, and for some reason it says Talk to Me 2022 on Letterboxd. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it says 2022. 2022. That's odd. That's so weird. Maybe it came out in Australia in 2022. It's possible, but that was a while ago. That would have been seven months I ago. I think it's a mistake by I think the, on the profile, whoever made it. Now, again, I gave it four stars, and my review is, I like to judge a film's scariness by how much I squirm in my seat. Let's just say the seat was vandalized when I was done with it. <laughs> Terrific debut in original <laughs> horror film from Danny Filippo and Michael Filippo. All I ever ask from new horror movies is to show me something I've never seen before and talk to me delivered. I love curse movies. That's why I love movies like Smile, It Follows, which are recent horror movies that I adore. And this one I thought was excellent. It is a slow starter. Getting to the the big events takes a little time. But if you stick with it, you see some incredible stuff, some wild things. And I think the concept is terrific in blending, you know, teenage lifestyles in terms of technology obsession with going viral on the internet smartphones using smartphones in movies which i love to see because it's authentic i hate when i always say when we're with high school kids and they don't have their phones out i'm like what's what's going on here this movie takes place in 2020 where where are the instagrams (laughs) where are the instagrams (laughs) (laughs) so i thought it was great i was disturbed as hell some incredibly gross things happened. Yeah, you were you were struggling. In a really great ending, you know, kind of, sort of ambiguous at the same time as really clever and interesting and smart. I didn't find it ambiguous. No, parts of it were ambiguous. Oh, I thought you meant the ending. I said kind of, but also 
Yeah. Why don't you listen to what I'm saying, man? I am. I, I'm just going based on what you said. Well, you didn't listen to the next the next thing I said. What'd you say next? But also clever. No, I know. I'm just I'm just saying I didn't think it was ambiguous. Well, so. I think a lot of people leave the theater a little unsure of exactly what happened. That's what I, I mean. I disagree. Well, not everyone's you, Anthony. <laughs> Okay, maybe maybe <laughs> the world doesn't revolve around Anthony for today. <laughs> maybe for once. <laughs> Whoa, where did that come from? Just kidding. You're just jealous because I watched twice as many movies as you. You're still not over it. Shut up, man. I'm trying to beat Anthony for weeks. You're not trying hard enough. <laughs> Apparently, I gotta wake up with like a movie playing. I gotta do the Michael Scott. No, with- you, you didn't even do a movie a day this week. Well, I got other shit five. to do, man. So so do I. God damn it. <laughs> Anyways. It's because you're doing two-day workouts. You're getting shredded. I'm not doing two-day workouts. Well, you you lifted and then ran yesterday. Yeah, no, yesterday I just ran. Well, the day before you went to the gym and ran, didn't you? No, I didn't run. I just went for a walk. I like to go for an afternoon or evening, early evening walk. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So I left in the morning. So you do that and I workout, watch a movie. A walk isn't really a workout. Walking is, walk is a workout. It's a ha- I, It's not a. How is that not a workout? It's it's uh it's, is it exercise? Yeah, it's a, then it's a workout. I guess, but like, it's, if you're not sitting in a chair, it's a workout. <laughs> so technically, I'm I'm working out when I walk back to the house. Well, okay, hold on. There's the, there's a difference when you're walking by choice for an extended period of time. That's a that's a workout. It's exercise. I would say that's exercise. I wouldn't say it's a workout. Why not? <laughs> I feel like to define a workout, it has to be. Intense energy expelled. So yoga is not a workout. There's a lot of energy expelled in yoga. Have you ever done it, bro? Not in every kind of yoga. It's pretty tough. I'm just I'm just shooting holes in this theory of yours. Hold on, let's search workout definition. Definition. It's got to be something a little more strenuous than a brisk walk a mile and back home. <laughs> like a two mile walk, I wouldn't define as a workout. It's an activity. It's a light activity. A practice or exercise to test or pr- improve one's fitness. Exactly. Thank you. So walking doesn't improve your fitness. Not really. What are you smoking? It maintains. Walking is great for your fitness. No, but like my fitness level, walking is not improving anything. It's just maintaining and it's just healthy. I know, but I'm, it's a workout. For it's me, a workout. For me, it's not a workout. It's just a, a light activity. Okay. okay. Well, I disagree. I disagree. Anyways... <laughs> I enjoyed talking to me. I hope you all check it out. I liked needs it. Your, 824 yeah. needs your money more than ever. They've had, <laughs> yeah, they had some a bad bombs. Uh, I liked it. I just thought sometimes overhype can be a problem. Yeah. And this is an instance of overhype where I was expecting something phenomenal. 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 It was good. It was very good. But I was ex- like, it was like 98% Rotten Tomatoes. Early reactions. The greatest horror film for years. And, and I watched it. I was like, where are these fucking responses coming from? I agree. Then the early reactions were terrific and yeah. this movie was really good but i think i felt the same where halfway through i'm like this is really good but also i feel like i'd be enjoying it more if i didn't expect the best mo- best horror movie of the year yeah i think that the overhype was an issue um because i had high expectations walking into it and then within 20 minutes i was like i was like am i watching a different movie from what all these people watched because for me the first half of the movie was just very slow and I think they could have cut out at least 15 minutes from the first half. But you can argue it's probably the best horror film of the year so far. But I haven't seen The Pope's Exorcist, which is supposed to be excellent. I do want to watch that. Yeah, I want to watch it. Um, I saw Guillermo del Toro retweeted a photo of The Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe on a scooter in Italy. And he wrote, one of the great things about aging is one day me and Russell Crowe will look exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, with the beard, they do look. Yeah, they look, I see that. <laughs> they look, I love they that. look really similar. That's so funny. 
Um, he also had sunglasses on too. Yeah. Smile came out last year. Yeah. Wow. Shit. Last year was a stacked year for horror. This year, this year, I would say this is this might be the best horror movie of the year. But I think it's been actually. Uh, I think, I think Evil Dead Rise is better than this. Evil Dead Rise is better. Yeah, actually, you're right. I think I would give it Evil Dead Rise. Evil Dead well. Rise, I found scary and very fun. Um, so Evil Dead is the top. Um, and I think Talk to Me was good, but it's not. It's not Evil Dead Rise. And I liked it. It's just like it, they could have sped it up. It yeah. kind of. It, it, no, it, I agree. It's it had no balance of tone of, of pacing. If I want, hold on. I want to check the runtime of it real quick. Talk to me runtime. An hour thirty-five. It felt longer than an hour thirty-five. It did feel longer. I thought even when we left the theater, I'm like, that should have been a ninety-minute movie. When it basically is, so it felt well, longer. The, th- than the issue is, and I said it after the film. I said there there were some really cool moments in this film, but they lasted ten seconds. Yeah. Well, let's not like spoil it for people. Who I, no, but I'm, but I'm not going to say specifically. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, oftentimes what I keep seeing, in not all modern horror movies, but like Evil Dead Rise did a great job of the sequences are long and they're drawn out and they they pull that thrill and they pull the horror and they let it they stretch it out but a film like this and it happens as i think too often where the scares are so short and the cool horror sequences are so short where the rest of the film is just kind of padding where they this film could have benefited from extending those horror sequences and really drawing them out that would have improved the movie i agree good point so that's why this the runtime was short but it felt long all right next up Oh, no, your turn. No, we did talk to me together. How many you got left? Two. Do that, and then I'll finish it up. Next up, I got Talladega Nights, The Battle of Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I just wanted a goofball movie. Um, I've been doing this thing kind of lately of doing like a super artsy movie, then a fun movie, super artsy movie, then a fun movie. And so um, Talladega Nights was my fun movie. It was my super artsy movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, super artsy, dude. I wrote... Uh, Shake and bake, baby. My review was, dear little eight pound, six ounce, six ounce baby Jesus... This and Anchorman are peak Will Ferrell. He's just the best. He's just the best there is. <laughs> Shake best and bake. The, best there is. Best there ever was. <laughs> yeah. first, your last. It's so fucking funny. Um, it does lose its steam by the second half in the third act, but the first hour is just absolutely phenomenal. And I, it just, I, I giggle like a little, like a little girl when I watch this movie. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. And then Will Ferrell and John T. Riley are just absolute dynamite together. And Sasha Baron Cohen is great as uh, the worst French <laughs> accent ever. <laughs> uh, but it's just a really fun movie. It doesn't take itself seriously. It's just like shut your brain off and just enjoy the ride kind of thing. Excellent. <laughs> the ninjas! The ninjas are getting me! <laughs> he, he says, uh, uh, contract, I'm contractually, contractually obligated to say to mention Powerade in every toast. In every grace. <laughs> we all look forward to its upcoming flavor, Mountain, mountain Berry. A, all jacked up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, my God. It's ridiculous. You got another one. No, you go. Then I finish. Okay. I'm that's, sorry, what you, that's what you said. No, I said you go with yours, then I'll finish. Well, this is four in a like, row, Like, finish then. means, like, well, we did talk to me together. Yeah, but I just did. Okay. All right. I'll do my You know, that's what finish means is last. Unless you want to, unless you want to close out, no, no, no. You want to Jonathan Papelbaum this in the two thousand in two thousand seven <laughs> Red Sox? No, you, 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 you pap it, you Papelbaum it. All right, <laughs> he's a closing pitcher for the Red Sox back in the day. All right, next up, I wanted to watch a samurai movie. Oh yeah. So I watched Thirteen Assassins, which I gave five stars. I figured that's where you're watching because when I walked by your room, I was like, ah, 
There's a lot of, oh, yeah. there's a lot of Japanese screaming <laughs> in that. Japanese screams and swords yeah. clanking. <laughs> I was like, it's a samurai movie going on in there. Unless Anthony's training for something. It's me and Juno. We do our samurai, samurai training. <laughs> it's Juno's dojo. <laughs> it's you and Juno's mojo dojo casa house. <laughs> we wear bandanas and train in samurai art. <laughs> I wrote, uh, the greatest samurai film of the modern era. Mike Takashi Mike, the director, showcased another side of his directing abilities by crafting this brutal and captivating samurai warrior story. Many of the common samurai elements are laced throughout the narrative, and the story never stops its tense buildup all the way to the show-stopping battle. This is a film that I wish I saw on the big screen when it was released. Um, this basically kind of is obviously very heavily inspired by Seven Samurai. You can look at it as a reimagining of Seven Samurai. I mean, it's about a group of samurai who band together to stop an evil force. You have a number in the title as well, Seven Samurai, 13 Assassins. So it is like, uh, in a way, the, the new Seven Samurai of, of the century. And it's just an exceptional film. It's, it's very dark, it's, and it's brutal. It's disturbing. It's, it's not brutal. It's brutal. You don't know the Harkonnens. I do. They're brutal. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's incredible, and... Cast is excellent. Cinematography is fantastic, um, and the whole movie just builds up, just like Seven Samurai, to the big battle. And this fucking forty-minute onslaught of war is just insane. Essentially, the samurai they fortify a small town that the enemy forces have to go through, and then it's just thirteen men against an army of two hundred, and it is absolute mayhem on a huge scale, in the best way possible. And it's just so goddamn fun. It's it's just it's an epic thing. Like there's there's so much action. It's such an impressive feat that they pulled it off. Because there's so many stunts. There's so many so many action sequences. So much wreckage. So many explosions. So many props and sets that are destroyed. And I mean, this must have taken them a long time to shoot because I mean, it's the kind of battle that you see for five minutes in, in a movie, but it's literally forty minutes of just nonstop fighting. With so many actors and stunt actors working together, it's it's an absolute magnificent film and one of my favorite action movies. I, I saw it a long time ago. Did we see it together, or you showed me? I showed it to I you. Think you showed me um, years ago. It was it was an early Amazon Prime movie that they um, got the rights to. It's it's exceptional. I haven't seen it since then, so I kind of want to watch it soon. It's fucking now, great. Obviously, uh, Takashi Miike made it. He made Audition, which yeah. I loved so much. This is my third time watching it, and it's just it's amazing because it still holds up. All right, my final film is coming out of Spain with Volver. Oh, nice, Almodovar. Yeah. Pedro yeah. Almodovar, his film from 2006 that stars Penelope Cruz. I gave it four stars. This is my review. What happens to your soul after death? Does your spirit exist in limbo? Can you become a ghost? Can you return, Volver, to the world of the living in order to help those you love who are in need? Pedro Almodovar's rich family drama, brilliantly lives under the surface of a crime film starring the sensational Penelope Cruz. It tells the story of three generations of women in a family in Spain, but with multiple shocking Almodovar twists. Very few filmmakers can maintain a consistent tone while combining several genres at once. And how much abuse can the women of a family endure at the hands of the selfish men in their blood? And I don't want to spoil too much of this film, it's a dark it's a lot darker than you'd think, especially if you look at posters of this film. And 
it's got a mix of just a great family drama as well as kind of psycho things going on there. And Penelope is sensational. The The filmmaking is terrific. I think she got nominated. And I think so too. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. It's funny. It's tragic. It's full of... It's a genre mashup. It, it's so hard to capture this tone that, that Pedro created with this film because it's part crime, dark crime, part horror, part fantasy, very realistic at the same time, part comedy, and this this odd light tone going on at the same time as well. And I really loved it. I loved how dark and light it is at the same time. It's it's you're you're basically just living in, in the shadows and the light together. And I think that's exactly what he's trying to do with this film. And I think he accomplished it so well. And I think a lot of people and filmmakers have tried to do things like this. Not many can achieve it, and it's exceptional filmmaking, and I highly recommend checking it out. It's it's so touching, and it really it deals with death in a beautiful way, and it deals with family. You know, family is the most important thing in the world, and this film shows that, but also shows the difference, especially in different cultures, of the men and women in a family, the matriarchies and the patriarchies, how separated they can be, and how... The family of a woman experienced different things versus the men of a family, and in terms of extended family as well. But it deals with death, deals with grief in phenomenal ways, as well as having some insane crime situations that you wouldn't believe. So I loved it. I, I thought it was terrific. You should watch um, Pain and Glory next. My next one. It's his best movie. My next watch. On my, on my, my watch list. My I'll probably favorite. watch it maybe tonight. It's my favorite of his. It's, so, it's, his, um, it's also his most like um, human and just like emotional. Need a little Antonio Banderas in my life. He's he's great. It's just, I think it's Antonio's best performance. Penelope's in it too. So I'll watch that next. All right, that wraps our letterbox recap. Wow, 10. that was a lot of movies. That was, that was movies. excellent. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for everyone to to everyone for tuning into our Got letterbox it. recap number ten episodes this week. We did a crossover episode with the boys over at Real Talk Podcast. It was an awesome episode. We did our 10 favorite films of 2023 so far. Don't miss it. It posted on both platforms. Those guys are awesome. Good friends of ours. So that was a blast to do. On Thursday, we're doing Pixar's Up, which we haven't done Pixar in a minute. So I'm very excited to do that. The last one we did was Coco. And Up is sensational. The following week, we're doing an episode on The Matrix, except it's going to be a movies from memory. We did the Matrix, and it was a blast. Maybe the the funniest episode we've ever done. It was it was so fun to do. It was good. And other than that, thank you so much for supporting our show. You can do that by leaving five star reviews and ratings on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Apple, you get to leave a written review, which we love to read and read out on the show on main episodes, as well as becoming a patron today at Patreon.com/slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Take care, everybody. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.